Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Dumb Dad Podcast is supported by Stir. I've always been wondering about dating apps, especially when I was younger, but you met your wife in high school. Yes, I met my wife in high school um, before dating apps, pretty much before cell phones. The pager age. I've always been fascinated by it, though. I've always talked to friends about it, and I understand it must be so hard and stressful to kind of communicate who you are. Never mind doing that as a single parent with a hectic lifestyle, trying to connect with people that know that you're a parent, which is why we're excited to partner with Stir, which is the number one dating app designed for single parents. For sure. I remember one of my buddies, he had become a single parent, and a lot of our conversations were based on I want to get back in the dating world. I got to find somebody that I totally align with. When do I reveal that I have a kid? And something like Stir is cool because it's just all out there in front. Everyone knows what their focus is. Yeah, that's perfect. Your kids go to bed at eight. You don't have to. Stir is the app designed for parents who just happen to be single. Go to stir.com slash date today to get 25% off any Stir subscription package or send to your single friends to try it out. That's 25% off at stir.com slash date, stir.com slash date. Let's get back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dumb Dad Podcast. My name is Evan, and I'm a dumb dad. Hey, everybody. My name is Kevin, and I'm a dumb dad. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hey, pal. Hey, bud. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very excited. Very good. Very excited. We have a guest today. He That's right. is a comedian, an actor, an author who's been in such shows as The Chris Gethard Show, Parks and Rec, The Office, Space Force, and Broad City. He's also been in movies such as The Other Guys, Ghostbusters, The Heat, and he started Mike Birbiglia's Don't Think Twice. Uh, he has an incredible stand-up special on HBO called Career Suicide and is currently hosting his podcast, Beautiful Anonymous. And he's here today to talk to us about his new book, The Lonely Dad Conversations. Thank you for joining us and welcome Chris Gethard. What a joy to be here. We should <laughs> tell all the listeners that like dumb dads, we just struggled for 15 minutes to figure out how computers work. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to start yesterday. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, yeah, Chris. We're uh, so happy to have you on with us. Happy to be here. I've been having a very dad day. Man, yeah. I was doing yard work and then replacing... I have one of these doors that needs clips to hold the windows or the screen into the door, and I replaced all the clips, and I did it, oh, and I didn't mess yes. it up. Yes. Uh-huh. How, many trips, how many trips to the hardware store? Uh, two. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> well, first I went and told them I need new clips, and they said, what size? And I said, I don't know. Oh, and they said, well, go uh-huh. bring one of the old ones. And then when I took out the ones from my door, I brought it in, and the guy said, you know, there's like a... Um, an anchor that you pulled out that's not supposed to come out. I said, please don't tell my wife. And then he gave me new anchors. I, and in my head, I said, I doubt I can do this. But I did it. And my wife yeah. never even knew how bad I messed it up. So now we've got some shiny new clips on the door. Yeah. I feel really good. It's yeah. such a good feeling. I don't know when that happens. I know you've talked about it a little bit in your book. But when does it happen? that we're, You talk about being a lawn guy. We just get so... I know. 
I'm excited about, about this. Uh, yeah. I, love my, about I love my lawn so much, and I'm so bummed yeah. that this is what my life is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, before we get into it, um, I have a, a small story about you. Um, mm. So I, I do this now for a living. I do a podcast, and we do our we have our social media, you know, comedy dads channel. And when I first started exploring comedy was I don't remember the year I started, but I moved to New York in two thousand five, and that's where I met my wife uh, Annie. And the two of us um, started pursuing comedy by doing Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, and. I that was like most of New York City and improv classes around <laughs> that stretch of history. Yeah. I will say though, we we had you only we only had you for I think it was a workshop during like the Del Close Marathon or something like that. And so it was like one three hour class that we met you and it was like to us it was we were like you were rock stars. You like Lennon Parham, Bobby Moynihan, all those guys were like heroes before we even ever saw you on television. It was so exciting. And I remember I've always thought you were such a great guy because I remember like it was one three hour class, but then like three, no, sorry, six months later, I was at like Herald night one night and I was passing by you and I was like, Hey, Chris. And you're like, Kevin, how are you? And I was like, nailed it. Look at that. <laughs> I nailed it. Name. He knows my name. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah. That was a very, there was a very fun stretch of life where it was, uh, I look back, I go, man, I was doing shows and teaching people mm-hmm. and picking up gigs when I could. And, it felt like things hadn't gotten big enough yet that they hadn't fully corporatized. And right. It, had, it, it, it was definitely cult-like, but maybe not in like a totally gross you. way. And I was, I'm happy to have been a part of that uh, system during its during its golden age for sure. <laughs> I think that's the proper way to uh, explore it. I remember Kevin Hines one time like came out to drinks with us after a class and was like, "I don't envy you guys. It's getting." ridiculous here <laughs> yeah. like it used to be a way more indie and he's like and you guys are all trying to get on herald teams and whatever it he's was like, hard it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah i definitely you know i felt like i i kind of broke away and did my own thing and looking back on it i don't know if these were conscious decisions but one was like part of why i didn't want to teach anymore was because people would throw so much money into the theater and mm-hmm. i was hitting a point where i'm going at a certain point you got to tell people if they're not going to make it so they can save their money, you know? Yeah. Um, and make a, make an informed choice. And then I also was like, man, there's, there's just more rules than they used to be. I think, I think I need to go find an environment with less rules. And that's how I wound up on public access television for a few years. A land of no rules, no rules oh at all. Gosh, such a cool show. I remember turning into and tuning into seeing you on public access television and watching oh, a few boy. minutes going like, this is Wild what is stuff. happening here. Oh. But I, but I, and but in many ways I appreciate it because it was just like this is great that it was like this just felt like I mean you can correct me here but it, it just felt like let's hit record and see what happens tonight. A lot of it is what we it, would we would go in with at best half formed ideas because I mean there were so many things that would break or go wrong technically that we quickly learned like why why try to plan this meticulously mm-hmm. when things are going to go wrong if you plan it halfway and we're all improvisers and we can take phone calls and we can fill in the blanks you know, then it's not a letdown. Then it's like you're overachieving or exceeding the ideas. But I will tell you, I think about it now as a guy in my 40s with a kid because I sit here, I go, there is so much video footage of me on New York public access television before my life had any consequences. And I sit here and I'm like, is someday is some kid going to walk up to my son in the schoolyard and be like, I found a video of a, 
a dominatrix beating the shit out of your dad on public access. Like that's, <laughs> am I going to be the thing he is mocked for? I could see it. I could see it. I mean, maybe it's just like you were kind of ahead of the curve of like, because none of us grew up with social media. So mm-hmm. we don't have that like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Well, everyone saw it, but you do. <laughs> it's all out there. I think about taking it, you know, it's, during the pandemic, I saw an upswell in people that were like, oh, I found your show and it's really, uh, it's helping me through some stuff or whatever, which mm. I feel so far away from the guy who made the TV show at this point that there's a part of me that's like, should I just take these all down or just like leave up the best ones and remove the hundreds of hours of other stuff? Uh, but it, <laughs> It seems like it still clicks with people, so I'm not going to do it yet, but I definitely have that feeling of like, I'm a very different person now. Like I'm yeah. obsessed with my lawn and I volunteer on Tuesday nights to drive an ambulance in my small town in New Jersey. Like I'm an entirely different human being. I'm a so, dad, so I'm a lame, very lame. I'm far away from those old rock star days. That's for sure. Well, it's funny. I think in you, in your book you said how you feel like you're not as fun as you were anymore, oh, and like no. that's a feeling that. Let, but I told Kevin, I was like, I think he's probably just as fun as he was before. He's just fun to a different audience now. You're super, probably super fun to your son, but maybe not the same way you felt when you were younger. I will say, me and my son have a good time, and there's another weird thing that I wonder if you guys have run into, which is like the other kids he plays with and I'm I don't I will say oh, I'm wary <laughs> I'm wary of being the funny dad I don't want to be the funny dad uh-huh. I'm not I'm I'm I promise you I'm not one of these people who's sitting here trying to put on a show and get the other toddlers to like me and I've seen mm-hmm. that in action we've all seen it you know the yeah, demonstrative yeah, yeah. I was just at the park with my my wife and my mother-in-law on Easter and we were walking around and saw this dad making a big production out of scolding other people's kids. And I was like, Ooh, please let that never be me. Someone putting on a big oh, wow. show for the whole playground. But my son will run over and like jump on me and start yelling and I'll start yelling back. Mm-hmm. And the other kids in the neighborhood pick up on that of like, Oh, this dude says yes to it. You know? Mm-hmm. Stoots down. So then the other kids run around and they'll start, they'll run up and punch me from behind and I'll spin around and act like I'm mad and they know that I'm not. And I have realized like, I, I am the funny dad in a way that's problematic because these kids like physically will beat me for their own joy. And I do have that side of things going on and it's not always great. I got to draw some new boundaries there. Yeah. It's a only five year old before you get nailed in the crotch. Well, a a five year old, our neighbor, and she's very sweet, adorable little redhead kid who plays with my son all the time. I caught them eating a bunch of Easter candy that they got into under my watch. And I was like, guys, you know, you can't be doing that. And they were all laughing. It was my son and these two girls who live next door. Yeah. And they were laughing and I took the candy and put it away and she tried to grab some more and I went, hey, you know, you can't do that. I'm going to have to call your mom if you do that. And then they went out front and I saw them. I was standing in the door and they started looking in the kitchen window and this little five-year-old red-headed girl starts going, I'm going to kick your ass, dude. I'll kick your ass, dude. And I had to like text her parents and be like, hey, she's telling me she's going to kick my ass. And and then of course I was like, hey, I'm right here. And she spun around and realized I was five feet away still watching. Um, (laughs) He's right behind me, isn't he? But I was like, I'm like, I like being the fun dad, but I am learning like, oh, it it also creates like a Lord of the Flies situation where kids think they can say things like that. And that's not good for anybody. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's always, that's always troublesome. You're you're good at yes anding, right? So in terms of like ingrained in me. 
yeah, yeah. what uh, <laughs> yeah you're you know you're you live and die for comedy so you what skills what improvisational skills do you take into fatherhood maybe that's one of them that's like maybe good or bad for you that one has its ups and downs I definitely think I know how to as far as being a guy who's generally pretty introverted I've I've learned how to like roll with it when there's eight kids and we're all in public and the attention's on me and I'm like, okay, I guess I can handle it. I've done this. Mm -hmm. I'll also say this, like I think one of the things about my comedy background and maybe improv in particular, which I haven't done as much improv in the past 10 years, but I was certainly really immersed in it for a long time is Mm -hmm. I do think I'm pretty good about knowing how to follow my son's lead. Cause that's a big part of improv too, of like, what's this other person going for? Right. And how can I help him get there? And I do think it has helped me in the sense, especially if like if there's times where he doesn't have the words to say and he's getting frustrated, I can sometimes mm-hmm. suss it out a little bit. Or if he's getting emotional, I can I can kind of predict what direction it's heading in, and I get why it's going there just because my instincts of just learning. You know, at the end of the day, improv really probably is just can you read the other person on stage with you faster than the audience can read what they're going for? That that right. probably would be one accurate way to describe it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you spend 15 years of your life relentlessly doing that and teaching other people how to do it, there's times where I think it makes me a little bit, maybe more of a sensitive dad or a little bit more of a able to roll with the punches and help him through mm-hmm. some stuff instead of getting frustrated with him because it's all reading him, right? Yeah, for sure. Listening skills. Let's uh, let's talk about because I actually have some questions based off of that. You go into that because I love that this answer. Is real nerdy. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> real well, nerdy. Well, I like. It. Well, well, I wanted to talk about your book before we get too far in the oh, weeds. Sure. People are like, yeah. what book are they talking about? <laughs> your book, The Lonely Dad Conversations. Um, we both read the book. Love it. It's Thanks, a great yeah. book. Um, it'd probably be best if you just give us just tell uh, the listeners about the book yeah it's it's interviews with 12 dad friends of mine some of them people i know through entertainment some of them just guys who live on the same block as me and everything mm-hmm. in between all levels of relationship yeah. also one mom a lesbian yeah. mom who i realized part way through i had to interview her because a lot of the dads were describing their ideal and i was like you're kind of describing my friend Jeannie, who happens to be <laughs> a mom and and that was yeah. a very fun conversation to have but it yeah. was, I did not expect it to be what it is. I'm really proud of this book. I had a very basic thing, which was, as I thought about fatherhood, for me, I realized like there was this weird feeling that came along with it. Loneliness was the closest word I could come up with, that at times I just mm-hmm. felt very alone. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask other dad friends of mine if they felt it too. And that's yeah. the premise of the book. And what happened was... Some of them were like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. More often they were like, okay, I know what you're referring to. For me, it's not loneliness. For me, it's this other thing. And that got kind of philosophical. And then it led to a lot of conversations I never saw coming about how our dads raised us, how the, you know, pretty much starting yeah. at World War II up until very currently, masculinities <laughs> meant one thing. And now we're the yeah. ones who are like, trying to raise kids and especially those of us raising sons going like, well, wait, what if I want to be sensitive and thoughtful and all these things that we're saying are good now, but there's no dad, like point to the sitcom dad. That was that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people talking about how bad male friendships can be and how bad Mm -hmm. we are at friendship and Mm -hmm. just spiraled into all these things. And it it was very cool for me to interview all these people separately and see that, 
they were bringing up the same things more often than not. So the book, the book aims to, I think, kind of put voice to all those things that we don't always speak out loud about. It's a great book. I, I highly recommend it. Um, I will say, like you were saying, the, the big thing you talked about throughout the book, but specifically in the beginning, um, and it was kind of, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like the main purpose of the book was the, uh, the, the backseat passenger. That was a very eye-opening, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and talking about that and man- maintaining friendships with, uh, with, with either old friends or even new ones, like keeping that going as a dad can be really, really hard. Did this book like kind of relieve you of those feelings talking to people or did it go the other way and make you go like, oh, shit, everybody's doing it the same. So this is just a feeling now or did it make you feel better knowing other people are, for lack of a better word, lonely? It, it did make me feel a lot better just to yeah. not feel alone in the loneliness, so to speak. And to even hear like a friend of mine who knew me really well was like, well, the loneliness is your thing. I've known you long enough to know, like you can get depressed, you can get lonely and it's amplifying it. And he's like, for me, it's guilt. And that was very eye-opening mm-hmm. for me of just like, oh, whatever your insecurities are, they're going to boil right to the surface in a way you haven't felt before when you have a kid, you know? Um, to hear so many other people, you know, one, one friend of mine, he lives a couple of houses down the box said, I don't feel lonely, but I feel like a backseat passenger. I almost jumped out of my chair. I was like, that's what everybody's describing. This yeah. idea of just like, oh, nobody really tells you that you're sort of off to the side, looking uh-huh. for ways to be helpful, often making things worse. <laughs> beating yourself up, comparing yourself to some idealized image of what a dad's supposed to be, assuming yeah. everybody else is doing it better than you're doing it. Like to know that I'm not the only one who felt that was very empowering. And and I'll also say too, like it's sad to me that it takes a creative project for me to reach out to all these dads in my life and be like, how you doing? I'm doing, here's how it is for me. And a number of the guys I spoke to were like, we need to do this when it's not just a Zoom for a thing. Like this need, we should yeah. all be doing this. And I have been doing that with a few of these guys. And that's lovely. So yeah. selfishly, yeah. it worked out great for me. Well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important. I mean, you touch a lot on um, in the book about generational dads, as you said, and like what they thought a dad should be and how they teach us as ki- how they taught us as kids. But I mean, up until basically our generation, there was no internet. And so, you know, it went from like, well, my dad did this and so I'll do this for 5,000 years or whatever up until the internet. And now information is absolutely everywhere. And sometimes I think, of course, the information can be extremely overwhelming because there's opinions everywhere, as we know, on the internet. But also, you can source... um, some ideas about fatherhood. What, how could you bring that into your life? How could you, you know, does this work for my family? Does this not work for my family? So I think we're blessed in a lot of those ways, but it, it really is just going to sort of dissipate what I think the idea of what a dad is supposed to be, especially based on, you know, like I said, what, like what my experience was with my dad, which was lovely, but it's not the only experience of a father raising a son or children. I had, it's so funny you talk about the technology because I had multiple dads call it out as far as like a scary thing that sort of separates us from our, like how many dads were like, my kid has already told me, daddy, get off your phone and how we all feel Mm -hmm. weird about that and how we're all scared Mm -hmm. of them getting on phones with access to everything. But I had, I think it was three different guys. I don't know if all of them made the book. I think two made the book. 
three different dads as we discussed like baby boomers and the greatest generation went you know they messed up in some ways but can you imagine doing this without youtube and i was like wow like yeah of course my dad seemed more stressed out than i was can you imagine having to put together <laughs> any baby furniture without youtube can you imagine yeah you know like all the stuff we do that we're like let's just it's three in the morning and we got to put this thing that i got to put this rocker together to see if that'll get the baby to fall asleep uh -huh. let me throw on the youtube video and it's just step by step someone shows you they didn't have any of that oh no. that's rough that's so no. rough if you didn't know how to swaddle the baby you didn't know how to swaddle the baby that was it things as basic as that and then you yeah. read like i read some crazy statistic i forget exactly what the percentage was but it was something like less than 15% of baby boomer men ever changed a diaper. It was just men yeah. didn't change diapers. And I sit here and yeah. I changed hundreds of diapers. <laughs> yeah. Hundred, and, and I don't know how it would have, like how, what was going on with wives? Did they just spend all day, every day dealing with that? I guess they did. But again, we did cloth diapers and I can't tell you how many, even months into it, how many months I was like, okay, I got to call up the instructional because I got a new, there's a new clip and I don't know how it works. So I'll go watch the video again. It's just endless. Endless. And you know, all the way down to it, it's all aspects. How you could take care of your lawn by watching a video, right? You know, Absolutely. All that stuff. It's, it's all Absolutely. there. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna piggyback off of what we were talking about our our, our dads and, and that generation. And you talked about your dad um, and how you know he was a great dad. And you know, I'm the same same with my dad. It is funny though of how you know masculinity and um, the f the feelings towards your kids back then were different. And I, my dad is is opened up to me and he said to me he's tried to to be a lot better and him saying that opened my eyes because i realized like for a while if we ever hugged when we were younger it was always like with like a chest full of air like yeah <laughs> it was every yeah. time it was just like as i get my heart as far away from you as possible so it was always like all right i'll see you later and just like always like holding your breath um and that's a weird thing whereas now i feel like i feel like the thing i hear all the time and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this because I think a couple a couple of the dads you talked to mentioned this in your book about like that we uh, overcorrect that we're we're the yeah. the generation that's overcorrecting. I'm not trying to defend ourselves because I know I'm. I mean, this podcast is about screwing up. Mm -hmm. um, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. But I guess I was wondering, do you think we're overcorrecting and? If so, in what way, or is that just something we're saying because people are like, we're just going way the other direction. Is that a bad thing? It's tough to say. I mean, I'm no expert, certainly, as far as just opinion goes. I don't mind the overcorrection when it comes to like being soft and emotional with my kid. Yeah. My dad is great. Great dad. We've never said the words, I love you, to each other. I'm about to turn 43 years old. Like, mm. I now am a father, and I, I go, I sort of understand why he felt like he needed that tough exterior. Mm -hmm. I also will say... And no judgment to anybody else. But for me, I go, I, t I tell my son I love him and it's, it's almost involuntary. It almost feels like a human instinct I would have to turn off consciously mm -hmm. to maintain something. And I go, that's, that's twisted. That's psychologically a whole generation of guys that felt like I love you is not a thing we say to our kids. My dad's not the only one, you know? Yeah. So overcorrecting in that sense I don't think that could ever be a bad thing for my kid to be very aware of how I feel about him. I, I can't imagine mm -hmm. that's bad. One thing I will say, I've seen a lot, both in conversations with friends for this book, things that hit the cutting room floor, 
also other friends in my life who are teachers mm-hmm. is I do get the sense that current parents are just a little out of control with school. That if a kid gets a B minus in a class, they have to have a parent teacher conference that, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing where you hear it and you go, I guess this is real. This doesn't just seem like a thing, you know, in comedy, you always hear people going like, Oh, cancel culture. And I go, it's not real. It's not that real. Mm-hmm. There's like a handful of examples. And then a lot of people are making their whole act about this thing. The school thing, I go, oh, I've heard this from parents in my life. I've heard this from teachers in my life. Interesting. That we are smothering teachers and and uh, helicoptering in that way. And I go, that probably isn't good. My kid oh, has man. to learn that there are consequences to actions he takes and he has to respect adults who aren't me. And school is a big part of that, right? So that's the one thing where I'm like, I bet we are going to, I bet they're going to look back at us on that. The same way that I look back and go, how come my dad and other dads of his generation wouldn't even say they loved us? When I know he does, I know my dad loves <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. will not say it. I won't say it to him. It's weird. I, I have a feeling that school thing is where they're going to look back and go, you guys were too much. I can't in good conscience with my previous grades uh, <laughs> judge my child. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember, so my son is eight now and it, going back to like when, after the pandemic sort of slowly entering back into school, his uh, first grade teacher was, was like the biggest challenge the whole year was the emotional state of the kids. Like the academics actually were not that big of an issue. It was because kids can learn quickly, but it was more like the social awareness and engaging with other adults and all these things that the kids did not have access to or practice or put into practice mm-hmm. for such a long time. Um, and that feels like it, that's all mixed in there. It's like they, they're just like thrown back into school and some of them, especially in the, at those ages, like didn't really have school or too much interaction with other kids. I mean, we're, we're yeah. we both have two children, so there's a little bit there. And then we've we we work together, so our our kids are around each other. But certainly, plenty of kids that are um, you know don't have a brother and sister or something like that are just kind of thrown into that situation again. And okay, we all got to figure out how to handle it again. I imagine that's we're going to face repercussions of that for quite some time. My son's an only child, and he first entered preschool during the pandemic. And all the teachers had masks and he hates school. There's a part of it's like, I hated school. We'll ask him, do you like school? Go, no, hate it. (laughs) The teacher tells us he does really well. She's like, he's talking a good game. He likes it here. He does well. But I sit here, I go, there is a part of me that has to wonder, like, is some of that gut instinct from him that when he was introduced to this thing, people were wearing like cane, you know, N95s and plastic face shields, like all his teachers the first people we really put in charge of him that weren't us looked like Darth Vader to him. Is that just yeah. going to stick for years? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be something there. Where they're like the first people that we're leaving you with and we're trusting, we're trusting uh, these people with you. Okay. And they're like, well, it looks like they don't trust me because they're <laughs> right. Sure. right. It looks like something's going wrong globally here, guys. Yeah. Sure, we can't just hang out at home. Is trust the word? <laughs> yeah. It was very funny for me too to realize like, because my son was born 2019. So he aged into pre- preschool mm-hmm. and we had him, you know, his first birthday was April, 2020. The pandemic was really, we were still a lockdown. Zoom birthday party, real sad. Yep, Same. Real sad first birthday party. But then to realize like other parents, like I was sitting here going, no, like got to keep these kids safe. 
keep these kids out of school. We can't just reopen the schools. And then there were mm-hmm. other parents of kids who were only a handful of years older than mine that were like, screw that. Open them up. Get yep. the kids out of here. <laughs> Get them gone. And yep. I'm now old enough to understand that feeling. Yes. I'm like, oh, parents were like, screw the pandemic. Take my children. Stick them all in a room together, please. I need this five or six hours a day. Go. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You're killing us. And if it comes down to it, I'll take 10 minutes. <laughs> Whatever you can give me. Whatever you can give me, I will snap your hand off for. It's funny because I, I had the same thing. My son, his birthday is April 2nd. Uh, and he was 2019. Oh yeah. April 17th, 2019. Yeah. So it was crazy because three weeks earlier we celebrated my nephew's, uh, first birthday and in person with my parents and my brother and sister-in-law and we were all in the house and we're like this pandemic seems to be getting kind of iffy and then (laughs) it's a hot topic. (laughs) Everybody's talking about it and then they'll make a movie and (laughs) Three weeks later, I'm like Zoom with everybody. Nobody's yeah. going near each other. Yeah. We're trying to explain bleaching to your our aunts groceries. And what Zoom yeah. is? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I was singing a happy birthday to my father-in-law's forehead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Um, I do want to say something. Uh, one last thing, and then we can get in the dumb dad moments. Yeah. But you had this quote in uh, chapter eight. I'm going deep dive on here. Um, it's a chapter about introverts and extroverts, which you just alluded to earlier. Uh, it's such a great line in general where you say your child's needs don't accommodate your comfort zone. Um, I love that line. I feel like it's true of all people, but especially dads because I mean, how many times we go to playgrounds or, you know, if you go to those like indoor gyms that the kids have like my gym or something like that, um, and you see the moms are all kind of talking to each other and all the dads are like spread out like they're covert ops. They're all like <laughs> they're all bugged up keeping yeah. the like I got eyes on the target situation and I, I don't know what that is. I don't know like even though we are as you say and, and I agree that we are the more like sensitive generation than we are the what our dads are. There's clearly something ingrained in us of just like keep to yourself. Um, I've definitely gotten a little bit better at that personally. Like I don't mind talking if like, I see my son's playing with somebody's kid and there's a dad there, mom, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll go and I'll talk to them and, and whenever has that helped you, especially since writing this book, have you gotten better at the introvert thing or Andrew yeah. getting older since you wrote the book? It was that chapter. I'm very, I, that was one I did not even have an inkling was coming. My friend mm, Keith mm-hmm. was the first one that was like, I'm an extrovert and it's really hard because I've had to learn to shut up and let my kid have attention. And then other dads started ex- echoing that. And I'm like, I'm an introvert. It's the opposite. I guess knowing that a lot of people struggle with that helps, but I will tell you very, I'm glad you asked this question because last weekend my son's school had a fundraiser at one of these ninja gyms. You guys know about these ninja gyms? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like trampolines and rock walls uh-huh. and big bouncy yep. things. Our town is very small. It's uh, 3K through 8th grade is the one school in town. There's one school, mm-hmm. three-year-olds until you leave for high school. And it was a wow, fundraiser for the whole school. So I knew my kid would be one of the youngest ones there. They send out the thing. It says, here's how much it is for the kids to come jump in the facility. For parents, if you want to jump, it's X amount of dollars. And if you're just going to watch, it's only $5. So I go, well, I'm going to jump. I'm going to go to a ninja gym with my kid and not jump around <laughs> with him. Right? Like To me, yeah, that's yeah, simple that's, logic. It's insane. When I tell you guys that there were 30 to 40 children, and I was 
the only adult that signed up <laughs> to jump. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> By the when end, you're an introvert, you're like, what have I done to myself? Yeah. <laughs> it's my nightmare. It's my nightmare. And it's weird because, you know, Kevin, you were saying like you took a workshop from me and I was like the rock star UCB guy back in the yeah. day. But I think anybody who knew me even back then would go, it's weird that this guy likes to get on stage because when you talk to him, he's a pretty shy, quiet dude. I, my whole yeah. stretch in entertainment. Mm -hmm. The idea that it's like a lot of these other parents know each other. No one else from my son's class came. So there weren't any Perfect. parents I even recognized. There was no one for me <laughs> to even like talk about with, joke about it with. And I'm just like a 43-year-old man bouncing around in these neon green socks on a bunch of trampolines yep. <laughs> with school children while they're parents. And, and like, I'm a good dude. I also know I'm a weird looking guy. I got a giant forehead and these glasses and stuff. Like my vibe is generally okay. But if I'm the only guy bouncing on the trampolines with your kid, you might be like, let's clock this. You know what I I'm mean? I'm going to watch. <laughs> then all the dads are watching. <laughs> At that point, everybody's like, who's this guy? But I'll yeah. tell you, I had an, a really, really great moment where this other dude halfway through just showed up bouncing next to me he's like saw you out here man uh looked fun figured i'd come join i was like you are the kindest soul and he burst out <laughs> laughing i was like this guy just went and spent more money out of pity to come do this yeah. with me because he could just because he could feel it was all eyes on me and he was like this dude is dying on the <laughs> vine oh, on man. this one but then that guy and i exchanged numbers and he said a few dads from town are hanging out thursday night so i might have some new friends out of it so hey. oh there you go that's always that's a nice perfect. Thing. That's what it's. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Mess this up, but that was. Wow. You can imagine just thirty kids and Chris Gethard on trampolines. <laughs> yeah, while the parents are all like, "Who's this weird?" Yeah, perf? that's a new special right there. It was bad. It'll definitely be a new bit. It'll definitely be <laughs> yeah. shown on the stand up. Yes, it will at least be tried at an open mic. I can tell you that. Yeah. You want to get into dumb dad moments? Oh yeah. So this is the uh, this is the part of the show where we share our, our dumb. Our dumb dad moments where it can be of the week or because you're a guest, you can just pick an all time if you got like a good one. Um, but we can go to kind of kick it off of what what dumb thing did you do this week? Evan? I got one. Yeah, I bet you. Did. I got one. It's it deals a little bit with negligence. Uh, and OK, so small backstory this past week for our kids spring break. I'm from Seattle area. And so we traveled back home to spend some time with the grandparents. And uh, one of the days we were like, let's go down. Let's go have like a day in Seattle. Like, let's take the kids around. We'll go do some of the, we'll go open the Space Needle. We'll go on the big wheel around the waterfront. We'll have lunch and kind of make a day of it. And then so, you know, the kids were going to be tired at the end of that, which is fine. But it was a big day of fun. And then at the end of that, we went, we drove over to another, to this place called Top Golf. I don't know if you know what Top Golf is. It's basically like, a driving range, but as I think my sister described it, this is kind of like bowling, which is like they have clubs for you. You can order drinks and everything. It's like this big fun thing. Even if you've never, there's you could tell tons of people that were there that have yeah. never even played golf before. A big fun thing. So we order a bunch of food over at the table. My son's excited. He's hitting balls, and you know it's it's like me and my dad and my son in this little bay, and the rest of the family is in this different bay, and. You know, we're sitting there having food. We order some pizza. He had pizza for lunch. 
more pizza. This, I mean, this kid's Hell just yeah. blowing up with ha- with how much fun he's having. He had. Now this is kind of relevant to the story. He had a cream soda for the first time in his life for lunch. Ooh. It wanted to try it. Did big move. Loved it. Of course, drank the whole thing. Uh-oh. So it's you know the whole thing. It's all a big exciting day. And then so when we get all the food, the waitress comes over and goes and a root beer for the you know a root beer for the boy for the long hitter or whatever so my fo- my son gets all excited she brought him a root beer <laughs> a root beer for the long hitter i don't know <laughs> who is this old timey <laughs> yeah. lady so the dumb dad the moment the dumb dad moment exists there when i was like this when i was a kid i have too much excitement too much stuff in me i still get an upset stomach but we're thinking like it's fun go ahead whatever so about half, about an hour into it, my son's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay, can you, can you hold it or do you go right now? It was like his turn. He's like, I, I got to go right now. I was like, okay. So I walk him to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm standing in the bathroom with him and he's like, he's kind of hovering around the stall. But then he goes back to the urinal and he's like, he kind of goes back to the stall again and like yanks on it. I'm like, well, there, there's somebody in there. And he's like, okay, I really need to use it. I'm like, okay. Let's just wait a second. I'm trying to like ease his ease his tension a little yeah. bit. I could tell he's the, starting to play like he's panicking a little bit. And uh, he's standing like this. He's like standing six inches from the door. And I was like, well, let, let the person come out of there first before, you, before you're banging down the <laughs> he's door. He's sweating is what that means. He's sweating. <laughs> so then the guy comes out conveniently enough. And I'm clocking a little bit of discomfort from him. So oh, rather no. than just go, why don't you just, yeah. Let me know when you're done. I go in there with him and he goes, <laughs> he, he like, he starts to sit down or he starts to, he kind of looks at me with like this panic look on his face. And I go, do you feel like you're going to throw up? And he goes, no. And I go, okay, you probably just got to go to the bathroom. We had a big day. You had some pizza and everything. Why don't you just sit down? And he sits down and then within five seconds, he barfs all over the floor. <laughs> and I mean, the whole day of fun on the floor of the stall right there. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And then he stands up and more in the toilet. And I was like, oh man, I felt so bad for him because now it's all just coming down on him, you know, like the day. So he does feel better. He kind of just gets it all out of himself. But now I'm standing there. I'm like, uh, now what do I do? My son's eight. I can't be like, go get somebody. Because he also doesn't feel well, but also like I don't want to just leave that situation in there as if like I don't know what happened. So I'm like, okay, you stay here and lock the door until I come tell you to open it. And sort of lucky for me, unlucky for this guy, I walk out and there was a guy that was like basically with his cart waiting to clean the women's restroom, oh. and I was like, hey man, um, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but my son just threw up all over the stall in the men's room. And he, and the, the dejected look on this guy's face. And he's like, okay. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry, man. And he's like, he goes, it's part of my job. And I felt so bad. And so I was like, okay. So we go in there and my, I'm like banging on the door. I'm like, okay, buddy, open the door. So he like calmly comes out and like, okay, go wash your hands. The guy just starts like prepping, you know, he puts this don't come in here sign on the bathroom thing and everything. I'm like, I just felt so bad. So we go back to where the whole family was and I go to my wife and I go, how much cash do you have on you? <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? I go, just get, I need some cash. And she's like, okay. So she hands me 20 bucks Okay. and I go marching back in there and I'm like, there's like two guys now waiting to use the restroom, which is closed. And I step over the sign and I walk in and I go, man, 
and I just slap it on the counter. I go, this is for you. Thank you so much. I really apologize. He's like, it's all right, man. Thank you very much. And so we went, we went back when I felt so bad. But it was like, man, all I had to recognize the moment was get that root beer out of here. <laughs> like, don't set that down. I like Bring that, him a water. I liked how it looked like to the other dads that you were like paying to get into the stall. <laughs> They're like, you can't go in here, man. He's like, cash. I cash gets you guy. anywhere, guys. <laughs> know how to work a door, bro. Yeah. I gotta use the bathroom. So it, it was just like, oh, if I would have, if it, probably my wife and I looked at each other like, man, if we would have thought for like two seconds, we probably would have recognized like, that might not be the best idea if you have that, but we're just trying to like go along with all the fun. Oh, and I quite literally you know, paid for it. You now could start like an urban legend in your son's mind where you can convince him that you can never mix cream soda and root beer. You can convince him. That's that right. That, that is true. Right. And then he'll be combination. A, in his late teens before someone's like, what, what are you talking about? He'll say it at a restaurant with friends. They'll be like, what? As they're all doing like the graveyard soda. He's like, you yeah. guys are crazy. Like, We're doing it right now. And he's like, no, I saw it. it's a unisex bathroom. I'm not doing it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, dumb dad moment of the week. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, mine is uh, mine is I just so I visited my it was spring break for us, and so I visited my parents who live in Palm Desert, Palm Springs area. So it's like it was super hot, and they have a pool, and we were really excited. And my son took swim classes like he again he just turned four, so he took swim classes because he fell in a pool like maybe a little under a year ago. And it was super scary. Like he was wearing his floaties. He was ready to get out, got him out, took his uh, floaties off. And I was like, all right, let's go to mom. And I walked ahead of him like an idiot. And I turn around and he's in the middle of the pool on the bottom. And he was fine. I like, yeah, it was crazy. I was able to get in there before he really swallowed any water. Like I was very fast. Um, I paid for that later because I'm not fast. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but like I got him out and he was fine, but then my wife and I were like, all right, we're going to pay for swim lessons. And my neighbor on the other side of the fence, she does not just swim lessons, but she does like, I don't know how you'd word it, but like emergency crisis swim lessons. Like she's the one who gets like infants, like all day in the backyard is just children screaming for their life, screaming like top of their lungs because she's like, sorry, you got to learn to swim. Like that's what this is for. Like she does it with infants. She does it with toddlers. Um, She's legit. So we were like, all right, let's do this. So we paid for like a month worth of classes or was it maybe it was 10 classes over the course of a month. And by the end of the month, he was swimming like and he was pretty good about it. He didn't like scream too much throughout the whole thing, but he was swimming. Now That's what he teaches screaming while swimming. Yeah, <laughs> you got to breathe. You got to let people uh, know you're in the pool and having fun. Yeah. <laughs> So he was legit, really good at it. And then cut to, you know, the winter. And I mean, my family, we got like, we got COVID and strep throat and then cold flus. Like we got everything this past like winter. Um, So we didn't visit my parents for a really, really long time. So now when we go back, he doesn't know how to swim at all. So I'm like, oh, he lost all of it, lost all of it. Oh, which we knew because we went to a hotel once and we forgot like his flippers and his goggles were like, it's fine. He knows how to swim. And we brought him in. It was like, oh, no, he does not. So it was like a horrible experience of just like holding a kid who wants to swim, but you let go and he just sinks oh. and like you, like a like a dog, like just doesn't learn anything. You know, it's like, all right, but I got to hold you. And he pushes off and sinks and you pick him up. And go now, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know now it kicks off your chest and sinks. And you're just like, this is awful. <laughs> so we're at my parents and I'm like, no, man, like we're here for like four days. I, I was at every one of your classes. I'm going to, we're going to swim. 
we're going to learn to swim again. You're so, the teacher now. So I'm the teacher now. <laughs> Except I have somewhat of a personal connection to this child that my teacher did not, that his teacher right. did not. So like when he's crying, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like holding him <laughs> in. But I'm also like being mean to him where like she would do this thing. It was, ins- it was insane. Like I don't, I don't know if your kid can swim, Chris, but like I don't know if you could fathom the, she would have him lay on his back and then when he would start to cry, she would go bubbles and put him completely underwater oh, wow. and push him away. Meaning like breathe, go. And then, and then he would, that's what got him. To swim. So I'm doing that. And he's just coming up, looking at me with the most distrust you've ever seen yeah. in a human's eyes. And I did this for like three days straight. And then I would take a break and let him like float around. But like, you're not supposed to put floaties on them when they're learning that stuff. Cause it gives them false confidence when they're taking classes. So it's just like, all right, we'll sit on this like recliner floater thing. And it was just so stressful. And then cut to my dad needs help changing a light fixture. The last day we're there. And of course we're dads now who like to fix lawns. So of course I'm like, yeah, let's put in a light fixture. Dig deep into this situation. (laughs) So we went to the hardware store twice and we've like (laughs) drilling holes. I went, I ended up in this attic for no reason. Um, (laughs) I was going to go check it out. Actually, (laughs) I did. I was like, it looks really nice up here. It's clean. And (laughs) I get the like light fixture, like drilled in and all that stuff. And then I come outside and my wife's like, look, he's swimming. And he was totally swimming on his own. He apparently he just didn't need his dick dad <laughs> around <laughs> yelling Holding at him, him back. dunking him. <laughs> he was in there for like 20 minutes and apparently my daughter was just like, come on, you know how to swim. And my daughter was, who's older was like encouraging him to swim and then my wife and them. And, and I, I mean like literally came outside. They're letting go of him and he's like swimming underwater to the other end of the pool and you're like, all right. <laughs> I guess I'm not a swim teacher. <laughs> it's okay, Kevin. You're, you're a life teacher. Just not a swim teacher. Lights. I'll light teacher. teacher. Yeah, you could put, put in some lights. Light socket. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chris. I have one from a couple months ago um, where, again, it loops back around to what I was saying in the beginning of like sometimes being fun with him. I have to learn mm-hmm. that there are boundaries to that. Yeah. Before I was talking about how the other kids get in on it and sometimes I get thrashed. I did remember an incident. This is probably about six weeks ago now, two months ago, where there is an episode of Bluey, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure your guys' opinion. I feel like Bluey is great. Out of all the kids' entertainment, I'm like, it's, it's Bluey. It's Bluey and Sesame Street, and then a and then everything else up for debate. But Bluey's up there with the best of the best. You know, I agree. Yeah, and it it will catch you off guard with the feels too. Oh as my a goodness, will it? It will kick you yeah. in the face yeah. in a way where your kid doesn't understand why you're quietly weeping over something. Bingo. <laughs> I need oh, to leave we- the room for a second. And then your kid's like, Dad, Bingo just found a bug. And you're like, no, you don't understand that that's a thing you yeah. feel when you're young and you forget. And then it reminded yeah. me what it's like. Yeah. But there's one episode, because if you know the show Bluey, you know a, a, a number of the episodes are sort of the dad comes up with these games and they play the games. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, it's very fun because then my son wants to play those games and we have these games. And there's one episode where, I, I don't know that I've seen this one, but my son got real in where someone pretends to be a robot in an episode of Bluey. Uh-huh. And the kids realize, I think it's the dad, and then the kids realize the robot will just say, yes, master, and do whatever they say. Yes. And my kid found it very fun. So there's one morning where he woke up for school and my son, he commits to his characters. When it's pretend time he's really into it yeah, it's one of yeah. his strengths and it's really fun and 
I woke up and he woke up and I was like, good morning, Cal. And he's like, I am not Cal. I am a robot. And I was like, oh, good morning, robot. And he's like, good morning, master. And he starts calling me master. And then I realized this game where I messed up was I abused my power that this game gave me. Because I realized that there's so many aspects of our morning routine that are traditionally a nightmare. And I could just play the game because he would just say, yes. yes, master, and do whatever I said. So I would go, you have to sit down and eat your whole breakfast and you're not allowed to get out of your chair. And he went, yes, master. And he went and he sat down and he just ate his breakfast and he didn't find 10 <laughs> excuses to get out of his seat. He didn't try to yep. make me put on TV while he ate all this stuff. I went, oh my God. I go, you got to put on your socks and shoes and you can't complain about it. Yes, master. He's doing all this stuff. You got to take your plate over to the sink. Yes, master. I'm like, this is the greatest game ever. Thank you to whoever invented Bluey. Yeah. It's great. So then I put him in the car. We go to drive to preschool. It's probably been about 10 or 15 minutes since we've played the robot game when I get him in the car. Another 10 minutes to school. So it's between 20 and 30 minutes since we have done this. Yeah. And I walk up. There's seven children in my kids' class. So all the parents gather there. And then yeah. the teacher comes out. She has this string with these donuts on it. Each kid grabs a donut and they walk in together. And all the parents, every day, they hug their kid. They say goodbye. They say, okay, I'll see you. Da, da, da. I love you, this and that. And I say to my son, I go, um, I just go, okay, be good today, Cal. And he turns around and not even really doing a robot voice, just turns around and goes, yes, master. <laughs> and every other parent and the teachers all turned and looked at me like, what? like what just, and I was like and I swear it came out of my mouth I just looked at all of them and went I don't force my child to call me master I, I don't <laughs> and they were all staring at me and I was like he's pretending to be a robot he pretends to be a robot sometimes he's you're a robot right and he goes yes master and then there was this collective breath that was let out but there was a moment recently where I abused the privilege of that game and it was a dumb move because briefly a group of parents thought I forced my child into <laughs> verbal submission by calling me master. You're one step away from going, no one watches Bluey. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, come on. You all know that episode, right? Somebody, somebody everybody knows, here. Everybody on, knows right? the Bluey anybody? episode, right? It's Bluey. Please don't have me arrested. Please. My kids, uh, they know, my son does this. We're like, we'll be watching it and he'll, we'll put on a couple episodes and he'll, they we, like, I want to choose one. I want to choose one. And he'll go, I want to choose one. And he goes, well, we're not going to watch that one. That one makes both you guys cry. And they'll go, like, he knows which ones were like, we can't get through. I love that. Without I love crying. That. I was caught off guard on one episode. Uh, this past weekend, visiting my parents, they were watching Bluey. And is the episode, the bedtime episode, where, like, the daughter, Bingo's in outer space, like, because she's dreaming. And the mom is the son. And, like, the music is just stunning. And it's just very emotional. And I was watching it with my son and I'm getting like choked up like I do with Bluey. <laughs> and, my, and I'm like holding it together, swallowing that lump. And then like the episode ends and my son turns to me and he's never happened before bawling his eyes out wow. and he just goes i love mom and i start bawling and i was like we should go get her <laughs> like, it's like that's all i needed to be like validation of like yeah we should cry this was there, hard there's one episode of bluey that i watched there's one night where i forget if he might i think he was sick he had a cough and i eventually we don't ever let him sleep in our bed but on a rare occasion I'll, if he just keeps waking up 
Mm-hmm. So she, so she won't wake up. I'll go, come on, we'll go sleep on the couch, buddy. And we go in the living room. Nice. And this one was so bad, I put on TV because he wasn't sleeping through this cough. It was bad. Yeah. There's this episode of Bluey. Have you seen the one? It's got no words and it's just the mom and bingo. There's no oh, words yeah. in the whole episode. It got me so bad. It's I'll spoil it if that's okay. Yeah, 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 no, that's fine. It's basically, it's raining outside and Bingo keeps wanting to play outside and the mom mm-hmm. is, without words, begging her not to and then she goes out and then runs back in to get toys and leaves mud everywhere and the mom's on her knees scrubbing yep. it and then Bingo yeah. runs back in and she's like, please stop. And all without words again and running in and out and then eventually the mom just lets out a big sigh and goes out in the rain and starts building little boats with Bingo. Mm-hmm. And it got me so bad. I told my wife, I was like, you have to watch this episode of Bluey. I've never seen something more masterful. It doesn't use any words and it shows how many sacrifices moms make, the way that kids dominate a mom's life, all the unappreciated things that nobody Mm -hmm. sees that moms do. I was like, but don't watch it until you're in like a really good solid headspace. Because <laughs> it's going to, it's going to destroy you. It's yeah. going to absolutely destroy. Yeah, I think just in your career, especially like um, even going back to career suicide, your stand-up special, how open you are about your experiences in life, dealing with anxiety. I have anxiety. I've dealt with it through, dealt with it heavily through my thirties. We've touched on it on our podcast, even as of recent. That how important it is to share our emotion with our kids and not be afraid to be emotional in front of our kids, which almost like, I don't, it's not the overcorrecting thing, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely not what our father's generation did. And even your buddy Greg on your, your book was saying he's so much more fearful, maybe not so much alone. He felt the real fear of being an, of being a father and what that means and pushing forward. And I think that's, I think it's important. I mean, to maybe tell your kids when you're scared or show them I'm sad because of this or something. And, uh, I think that's a big thing going forward, but yeah, the bluey certainly opens plenty of those doors. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that you do you feel comfortable doing that with your son more so than your father did with you. Yeah. I mean, I still feel that, I still sometimes feel that thing of he doesn't need to know all my stress, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Especially being an artist, I lost my health insurance during the pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. Where I usually get it through the yeah. Screen Actors Guild. I didn't. Like, mm-hmm. that's a level of stress where I go, this child doesn't, I can't explain the American healthcare system to this child right now. Right, right. But I will say, one of the really nice things is I, I go, Sometimes when I'm feeling it, he will sense it. And instead of trying to hide from it, I'll just go, hey, buddy, can I have a hug? Like, I could use a real big hug right now. And he'll come over and do it because he wants to help, you know? Whereas, mm-hmm. again, not judging my dad. My dad was really great. But I remember so distinctly when when his mom died, when my grandma died, I remember asking my mom, how come dad isn't crying? I remember asking mm-hmm. my mom that. Yeah. Like when my mom passes away, my son's going to see me cry probably mm-hmm. for weeks, you know? Like, yeah. um, it's just such a marked difference in how that stuff should be avoided and or embraced. So I don't feel any shame in it though. I, I will say he's real small. So things like that of sometimes I'm happy. That's the short answer. 
I'm always happy to let him see my emotions. He's not necessarily old enough that I need to always burden him with the why just yet. Because sure. some of it is just stuff that he's going to go, wait, what's health insurance? You know, and that's a whole other yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. But Chris, if you want to write a follow-up book, I mean, explaining health insurance for kids, I think this is a great follow-up <laughs> book. Yeah. An ABC book. Just start with an ABC <laughs> book. <laughs> what, a grim, what a grim book that would be. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Chris, this has uh, been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. The book is The Lonely Dad Conversations. Um, check it out. Where can people find the book? Uh, find it on Scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's still active. You go to try.scribd.com slash Gethard, you should be able to just sign up for free and check it out and see if you like it. And uh, I don't totally understand that business model, but I am happy to pay it forward <laughs> to any of your listeners. Do you have any any shows or anything? Oh, coming and up? if you're in the New York area, I am throwing a big festival in Brooklyn, May 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. My podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, where I talk to people on the phone, We're doing a fan convention, but it's going to have comedy shows and live music and film screenings and a whole bunch of great stuff. So... Um, all that info is at beautifulcononymous.com. That's a much appreciated plug. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and you for all you do for uh, the entertainment industry, for, for representing fathers out there. Um, you know, that's what we try to do here as well. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for being on. I'm do my part. Thanks. All right. Good. Yep. All right. We're all set. Bye. Welcome to the world, little one. Welcome to life. How do I stop this? The Dumb Dad Podcast is supported by Stir. I've always been wondering about dating apps, especially when I was younger. But you met your wife in high school. Yes, I met my wife in high school um, before dating apps, pretty much before cell phones. The pager age. I've always been fascinated by it, though. I've always talked to friends about it, and I understand it must be so hard and stressful to kind of communicate who you are. Never mind doing that as a single parent with a hectic lifestyle, trying to connect with people that know that you're a parent, which is why we're excited to partner with Stir, which is the number one dating app designed for single parents. For sure. I remember one of my buddies, he had become a single parent, and a lot of our conversations were based on I want to get back in the dating world. I got to find somebody that I totally align with. When do I reveal that I have a kid? And something like Stir is cool because it's just all out there in front. Everyone knows what their focus is. Yeah, that's perfect. Your kids go to bed at eight. You don't have to. Stir is the app designed for parents who just happen to be single. Go to stir.com slash date today to get 25% off any Stir subscription package or send to your single friends to try it out. That's 25% off at stir.com slash date, stir.com slash date. The Dumb Dad Podcast is proudly presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.